started last week. I, I was wondering if you could turn with me into Nehemiah chapter 6 tonight. We're going to read a text. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 6. We read Judges 6 last week. Well, we're going to turn to a different fellow tonight. Still on this, uh, starting a series. Uh, can I just say something to you out of my heart here just before we get into this? I really believe God wants to bring revival into all of our lives. Amen. And, you know, when we use this term revival, it's a term that's taken. It's kind of interesting. It's taken from the word revive, from the short, uh, the root of it. And it means to bring the dead back to life. And God wants to do that in all of our lives. Amen. And um, just to let you know, Anything that is dying or dead is a stronghold. That is what a stronghold. Anything that limits or keeps you from growing or becoming all that God has created for you to have is a stronghold. Now, we looked at, we just really, by virtue of starting this last week, I wanted to look at some characteristics uh, before we really get into the notes, but let's Let's open up with a word of prayer here, uh, because I believe tonight God's going to do some renewing in our minds. Amen? How many of you know that the battleground, thank you, the battleground for any stronghold is in where? The mind. Everyone say the mind. The mind is the battlefield, and that battlefield is under constant bombardment. And one of the reasons why you're dangerous, you're dangerous, I want to say it again, you're dangerous, you're effective, you're so full of potential, is because the devil knows that if you ever get a glimpse of your sense of identity in Christ, there's no stopping you. He knows that there's nothing that will stop the healing power of the kingdom to make an effect in your life. So, 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 many, so many of God's people, uh, we're going to be looking at, at some things that have kind of really been... That's why I want to look at what I refer to as history. Some, some things that have come out of history in the church. How many, how many have been Christians a long time? How many of you have been serving God for many years? How many of you have seen some things evolve that you used to be into, but you're not into it now, and you're, thank God you're not it used to where you used to be? Okay? Uh, part of that is the church growing up. Uh, even the clergy needs to grow up. Uh, and and you, you need to understand that. And so we're, we're, we're looking at strongholds. We're going to look at really briefly. I'm going to move like a bullet train tonight. Forgive me. If anybody has questions, statements, concerns, thoughts, feel free to raise your hand, make a comment. I'm not here just to lecture here. We, we really want the Holy Spirit to, to embed some a, a reality tonight. He wants you to... Ex- he doesn't want you just to, uh, my intent here is not just to put facts and head knowledge or uh, the knowledge of God in your head, but to bring the reality 
of kingdom life into your life where you are living a life and you are no longer governed by your feelings, your emotions, your circumstances. By the way, which are strongholds. Circumstances, emotions, and feelings. Now, God gave us circumstances, feelings, and emotions, and all of those things. But he did not give those those things to govern our decisions. Once you are governed by those things, you are in prison. I call it a prison. It is a prison of your own making, sometimes. It's a prison that other people have given to you that come through the form of a lie. Okay, let's open up with a prayer, because I need to move on some of these things. Father, we ask you, Lord, I know that these folks have worked hard today. They've labored, they've been fighting the traffic just to get here. Uh, many of them, Lord, are in jobs where uh, they're coming home, and they're coming to church now. And I just pray, Lord, that the Word will have roots, go deep as a seed into good soil tonight in our hearts. I, I pray that, that supernatural faith will begin to expand and grow in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I want you to take a look at this uh, board up here. Four simple characteristics that we started with last week. And I want you to understand. Well, let's before we get here, let's look at the definition of a stronghold. Again, on your notes, a stronghold is a well-fortified place. A fortress, a place of security or survival, a place that has been fortified so as to protect against its attack. It is a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. Somebody tries to talk to you about something, an opinion, for instance, and you hold to your opinion. It could be a religious opinion. It could be a political opinion. It could be uh, a number of opinions. By the way, strongholds are not all bad. How many of you know your faith is a stronghold? Not Strongholds, when we look at strongholds, let's don't look at this just in the negative context. By the way, are you guys cold out there tonight? If you're too warm, Dwight, Dwight's the man here. We'll raise the heat or lower it. and uh, If we're falling asleep, then we'll lower it and bed it. <laughs> Hopefully we won't, we, we won't be going that bad. But, but, but strongholds are not all bad. And uh, when someone comes up to you and begins to challenge, for instance, uh, that, and here, here's one. Uh, somebody comes up and says, uh, there's more than one way to heaven. There's many roads to heaven. Now, this is a stronghold in my life. Well, I come back, not just to you know, blast anybody with Scripture, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's a stronghold in my life. Uh, it's not based on my emotions or my feelings. It's based upon truth. It's based upon God's covenant. It's based upon something even greater than that. A transformed life. God's word. How many of you know God's word is an incorruptible, indestructible word that never changes? It actually transforms you. But you have to let the word in. I talked to a gentleman just just, uh, not too long ago. And he said this to me. Literally, it was his words. He says, Pastor Ray, I think I'm losing my faith. 
I don't think I, I'm, I, I don't think I, I want to be, a, I, he said, I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore. The next question was this that I asked him. I said, how, when was the last time you were in the word of God and reading your Bible? This was his, his words to me. I can't remember. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this. We need to take more earnest heed to the things which we have learned, lest at any time we, now listen, here it is, lest we drift away. If you are not feeding your faith and renewing your mind, the Bible says every person is this way. You'll drift away. Now, a lot of people think drifting away, well, well drifting, I mean, I just, I just don't go to church anymore. No, it's, no it's, by the way, do you know you can still go to church and still go to hell? So, so it has nothing to do with coming to church. A lot of people equate church with salvation. No, no, salvation is the beginning of a, an intimate, close, radical, evolutionary relationship with your Heavenly Father. It is the beginning of transformation. It is also the beginning where God, as you're saved, your spirit man, I don't have time to put the diagram, but we have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. When you're saved, your spirit man has been made, the Bible says, made alive. Everyone say alive. What that means is this, is the things of the spiritual realm become real and important to you. All of a sudden, things happen in your nature. There's a conviction. You know, I, I, I don't want to sin anymore. I, I want to please God. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have temptations or lusts or wrong thinking. When you're saved, your spirit man becomes aware that, number one, you're a child of God. Number two, you no longer belong to yourself. You now belong to someone else. When you're born again, it means that I no longer am now, and here's a word that is not contemporary in America, but I am no longer the master of my life. Jesus now becomes Lord. Everyone say Lord. We use the term a lot, oh, he's my Savior. Thank God he's my Savior. Amen for being my Savior. Save me from my sins. But salvation also means he's in charge. He's in charge of my life. He owns. He redeemed. He bought this body. He didn't just buy my spirit out of hell and buy, buy uh, my sanctification through the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to sanctify and renew my mind, but he also bought my body. And so, so strongholds literally consist in these three areas, spirit, soul, and body. You talk to an addict, for instance. Maybe a guy's come on out. I was talking over the years many times with addicts. Addictions start in many forms, for instance. Addictions often start in seed forms, and all addictions is all about medicating. Medicating yourself, dealing with pain, running from a problem, 
that dealing with an issue that you just emotionally, mentally, or physically, or even spiritually, you cannot deal with. So you are looking for somewhere to escape. You medicate. It can be a, there's a million things out there you can medicate. By the way, it's not just porn, uh, drugs, and alcohol. There's food. Uh, People medicate themselves with food. They medicate themselves. uh, Here's one, and I'm not against this. You can medicate yourself by being a bodybuilder. You, you, you can't walk by a mirror unless you're looking at yourself. And, I mean, that can be a stronghold. Aren't I, aren't I, aren't, don't, don't I got what it takes? Now, a guy doesn't say that, but it can be a stronghold. And God forbid that he ever should have a three musketeers bar. I mean, it'll, it'll shake his world up. Okay, now I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I know I'm kind of making fun of that, but I want you to understand that strongholds come in many different facets, but they always start in seed form. It comes for, and we dealt with a little bit of this last week, how when a t- seed form comes to some form of an influence, some seed, something that was planted, either from family, from friends, from culture, from a political belief. It starts in a seed form and it comes into a very, very vulnerable heart that has no sense of discernment and you begin to believe a lie. Every stronghold, when we, when we deal with it on the negative side, every seed is based on a lie. What's one of the reasons why in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, listen to me on this so carefully. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they met daily in the temple. Under the apostles' doctrine, breaking bread, fellowship, going house to house, why was there such a commitment in Acts chapter 2 through 6? Why was that so important? Because when you become a Christian, you become a target. The enemy, the enemy's not, here's the biggest deception in the church today. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking, the biggest deception is I can be a casual Christian. I just have a casual, you know, I just, I'm really not on fire for God, but I mean, I read my Bible, you know, I've gone through the verses and know a few songs, love my favorite TV show. But, but they don't, they don't realize that strongholds are also calculating, and persistent. How many of you know the devil calculates? He has been studying you. Now, you say, oh, pastor, it seems like you're just dwelling on the devil. No, no, listen to what Paul said. Paul says, lest Satan should get the advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. The devil will study you. He will study you, and his number one desire is to put a wall between you and your Heavenly Father. To put a wall. He can do it through offenses. He can do it through the seeds that were planted by parents, family. I've dealt with hundreds of people that have gone through abuse. One of the things that begins to happen through this is a a challenge. This is a stronghold. Don't trust authority. Don't trust pastors, don't trust parents, don't trust teachers, don't trust leaders, don't trust pop. Don't trust them. 
You go, if you go back in their history, somewhere, someone crossed some lines. Child grows up. I don't trust my parents. I don't trust anybody. The only body person I trust is myself. That's the only person I trust. That's a stronghold. And it's dangerous. And, and even though those in authority in the past hurt you, that was never God's plan. Now, the, 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 one of the things we're going to discover when we start looking at solutions, we're going to discover how God can take what the enemy meant for evil, turn it around for good. We're going to look at how, do you know that a stronghold can become your prison or your launching point? It will become a prison or a launching point. Let me tell you how strong strongholds are. I used to work in the uh, maximum security prison. I used to preach, go down once a month in Oregon years ago. I used to preach down in there. And there was an old guy, an old gentleman, had served 22, 23 years in prison. And this, no kidding, I, it blew my mind when I heard this. But <clears throat> when, he, when he was about ready to be released, he intentionally assaulted a guard. I mean, he was just a couple of weeks away from getting out of prison. The doors were going to fly open. They were going to get sent him out. He's, he's a free man. Intentionally assaulted a prison guard, and they tacked another five more years. And I actually met the guy, and he says, I am so happy. I looked at this guy. What are you, what are you talking about? He spent... Ray, I, there's nothing out there. I have no family. I have, he says, this is my home now. Prison, Oregon State, maximum security. It's my home. That's a stronghold. What is really dangerous is not all strongholds are visible. You can have a, you can have a stronghold and not, a, not even know you have it. Other people may see it. But uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have no problem. That's your problem. It's not my problem. You ju- you're, you're, her, 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 how many have heard this one? You're judging. I, I tell people, let's get over that. Well, pastor, people do judge, don't they? Do you know there's five Greek words in the New Testament? Three of them are held for God. It has to do with God judging the wicked, God judging at the end of the world. Well, when Jesus returns, he's going to come, and he, the Bible says he will destroy the earth with fire. And there's, there's another word. But there's two other words in the Greek where it says to judge righteous judgment. You don't hear a lot of people, you're telling me that we're supposed to, the word means to discern. It means to discern. How many here came to church tonight and you made a judgment call when the red light said stop? Or did you go through the red light? Anybody go through the red light? Don't worry, we won't report you. But that's judging. That's what the word means. If you have a brother or sister and they're about ready to hurt themselves, you're judging by saying, do you know what you're doing? Do you, do you know what you're doing right now? Yeah, I know. I, I know. I'm, an, I'm, I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. Okay. But, but do you, 
do you see, are you aware that you're making decisions that are going to have long-term consequences? Well, I, I don't believe it's going to be that way. I, 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 I think what, what I, how I live is just what I feel for the moment. How I feel. I got permission. How many of you know Bo, Bo Jarnigan? I got permission. His letter is on my desk. I got permission to share this. He said this to me. He, well, he said it many times, but he said this in the, even in this recent letter that I have. It's a yellow letter. In fact, he wants me to read it to the church. It's kind of long. But in short, he says, he says, my wife and I, one night, he said, it, long before we opened the door to methamphetamines, long before that, this is what he said, we started missing church because I loved going fishing. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with fishing. I'm a fisherman. I got a boat myself, and I love to fish. Nothing wrong with fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing at all. Nothing wrong with golfing. But it became such a habit that we begin to miss Sunday and Wednesdays. Sundays, no apostolic teaching, no, no word. How many of you know you can only feed your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. I would never let anything take me out of the house of God, ever. That's why David said in Psalm 67, one thing that I have desired and that will I seek after, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord. I will not let anything take me out. It's not because I'm a pastor. By the way, there'll be someday I won't be a pastor. I'll maybe be way too old or... Maybe the Lord will take me home. Guess what? I will still come to the house of God. I don't care if I'm the janitor. I don't care if I'm the painter, singing, playing, anything. The house of God was his idea. And I will not let people pull me away from the house of God, ever. It's a stronghold in my life. Why? What, why, why is it important that we have to gather together? Why is it so important? Well, here's, the, here's some of the reason. It's different than the way the American church has evolved. In the early church, when they came together, they always had communion, but there was a very strong, intimate sense of accountability. People would say, Dwight, how you been doing this week? Larry, how you been doing? Not just on your job, not your golf game, not your fishing trip. How are you doing spiritually? That was, that was the, the rhetoric. That was the conversation in the early church. It was around the spiritual issues. Now, I'm not against having social conversation. It's great icebreakers. But how many of you know that we need to go below the ice? We, we, we need to get into the things that really matter as far as our spiritual well-being. For instance... The Apostle Paul used an analogy called the physical body. Can you imagine? I have two arms, two hands, a head, two eyes, ears, two legs, feet. What if all of a sudden I want to make a move? My brain makes a decision. Jesus is called what? Paul refers to Jesus as being the head of the church. And the church is called the body of Christ? What if the head says move and the right leg says, I'm not going nowhere? 
So what you got is a a rebellious right leg here that just why why don't you get with the program? You're you're connected to the body. Well, I just don't feel like it. I know that sounds kind of crazy. But the body of Christ sometimes becomes very spastic. Well, the right arm doesn't want to, I don't, I do what I feel. But if we're really the body of Jesus, we're connected to, together. Now, I know for some people that have strongholds in their life, whoa, that's way too close. I don't want to get that close. I do want to say that healing is also, healing can be instantaneous, but the renewing of the mind is a process. Jesus can heal, forgive, make you right with him right now, in a second. But renewing your mind from the seeds that have been planted will take time. I was telling a brother not too long ago that was fighting and struggling with some serious strongholds in his life. I said, are are you ready for a fight? Are you willing to get into the ring and fight? With me? No, no, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about, do you understand the, the, there, there's a real devil, he's calculating, he's persistent, and he will look for every open door he can to trip you up. You have to take this battle seriously. There was a gentleman years ago, he used to come to this church years ago, he was abused in a Catholic church by nuns, of, of all people, nuns and some priests. His, uh, he medicated himself with alcohol. He, was a, he had a severe alcoholic problem. And John and I and some others, we just loved on this guy. We blessed him. It wasn't about, you better stop drinking. We, we never came to him with that approach. We he, he was dealing with pain. He had so much anger. He actually went down to that particular diocese and that church, got some lawyers, and because of uh, the seven-year, what is that thing that, uh, what is it? Statue of Limitations. Couldn't do a thing about it. But he was attending our church for a while. It's so full of bitterness and anger. And so out of that, he turned to the bottle. And then he'd feel, it, it would take him down, and, and, and it was just a vicious, demonic cycle. Now, we did not come to him with this approach that you better straighten up. That's not the way we approached it. We approached it with the fact that, first of all, because he kept saying, if, if God is so good and so loving, why would he allow, of all people, my priest to abuse me when I was just a child? And I said, I... Honestly, cannot tell you why. I don't, I can't give you that. I don't know the answer to that question. But I can tell you this. That God's grace is greater than sin. God's grace is stronger than anything the enemy throws against you. There's not a man or a woman in the Bible that God has not used in a great degree that has not suffered some form of abuse, rejection. We're going to go clear back to the time when David 
was a young teenage boy taking care of the sheep. Wasn't even invited. He was rejected by his father, by his brother, yet God made him king. And as soon as the oil touched his head to be anointed, they still rejected him. Even when he goes out and wins battles for Saul, Saul rejected him out of jealousy and still rejected him. But you know what David did? David did not keep his eyes on the people and keep a tally or an account of those who were hurting him. He kept his eyes on the Lord. And it was the Lord that pulled him through. Now listen to me. The devil means to destroy, to weaken, and to break you with strongholds. But God intends to launch you with these strongholds. God intends to take Peter. Remember Peter in the Bible? Lord, I'll follow you all the way to the end. I really believe he believed that. But he was a coward. When the fire came and the heat was on him, he cowered down and he ran like all the rest of them. They ran for their lives. And the third time when the rooster crowed, Jesus, when Jesus was going before Caiaphas, saw Peter's eyes. Peter says he wept, wept bitterly, ran out. And then he, in John 21, he tells his brothers, his other disciples, he says, I'm going fishing. Peter gave up on his call. He quit. He says, I can't do this. I'm a, I'm a loser. I thought I could do it. And here's the thing that Peter didn't get. That was the place that Jesus wanted him to get. Do you know that being at your bottom, at the bottom, is actually the place of your new beginning? Let me say it again. Your worst bottom, the lowest bottom, is the place of God's greatest beginning for your life. Now, the devil wants you to think you're finished and through and it's over. No, no. Every person that's hit the bottom, I, you can look at the life of Joseph. Joseph comes out with two dreams. A young boy tells his brothers, hey, I, I got the biggest uh, hay basket and I got the brightest stars. And his mouth got him in trouble. They sold him to Egypt 13, 14 years of his life. His childhood was stolen and ripped out of his life. And when you get into to, uh, Genesis 49, instead of letting the hate the anger and the bitterness rule him. He turns to his brothers and he's, he's holding back the tears. He says, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. And then he goes on to the next verse and he says this, God sent me ahead of you to save much life. What an amazing confession. Can you see yourself going through something where the enemy planted a seed, put a stronghold in your life, tried to cripple you, put you in prison, slam you down, tell you you're worthless, and then, but you take what the enemy means for evil, you take the grace of God, the word of God, and you begin to look at your life through a different lens. Not the lens of pain and the lens of abuse and the lens of what everybody's done, but you begin to look through the lens of faith. Wow. God is going to use me to save and help and be a blessing to other people. That's why Paul said a profound text in, in Galatians 6.1, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. 
You see, here's the point. Strongholds will make you bitter or better and stronger. How many of you want to get stronger? Okay. Now, th- now this is this. I, I want to tell you something. Everyone say daily. daily. This is a daily thing. This is not a Sunday morning thing. You don't take. You don't put your church hat on on. Well, today, today is Sunday, and we're going to church. And here, Pastor Ray, preach another little sermonette for the little Christianettes. No, no, that that's that's not what church is. Church is something you walk out, live out, breathe out, sleep out. You're doing it. You're working it. You're living it. You're having fun with it. You're moving it. You're moving and shaking. This ain't this ain't just kind of a weekend. Well, it's hey, it's, it's Sunday or Wednesday. No, it's every day. I'm praying every day. My wife and I, we pray. We see God. Why? Why do we do it? Is it because we're pastors? No way. We do it more now than we used to. But, but let me tell you right now, I need God every day. The devil, uh, uh, the more I've grown to know his word, the more I've come to grow, the more I've come to realize how Satan studies me to trip me up. This is what, let me tell you, folks, he's not after your health, your wealth. He's not after your kids. He's not after your marriage. What he's after is your faith. Because if he gets your faith, he has it all anyway. That's why if he can get you offended, hurt, angry, that's a stronghold. Somewhere that seed. I've got to learn to identify seeds. Everyone say identify. Identify. Now, all of us, I'm going to say this, all of us have come out of dysfunctional families. Some of us more severe, others not so severe, but every one of us have come out of dysfunctional families. We all, we can all, well, I could open the pulpit tonight and say, well, I'm going to let everybody know what my mother did to me 500 years ago, or my dad did to me, or Uncle Fred, or um, Mr. Pete, and I, I could open this up and everybody here have a sob story. And the devil in hell would actually be, that's right. They hurt you. And guess who let it happen? God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, God God let that happen to me. We don't even realize we just took the bait. We just took the bait. And a seed has been planted. We get angry. And we don't realize that the enemy's trying to... Do you know that every single one of you have a God-given destiny that is intended... To shake the world. God has given you a destiny to make an impact on people's lives. You possess the power through the indwelling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You possess heaven. You possess life. You're the kind of an individual. that you, One of the ways that you're, the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of you is you perpetuate the righteousness of Jesus. You love what he loves. You hate what he hates. By the way, do you know the love and hate go together? I said this Sunday. I've asked people this. What's the opposite of love? And they always say hate. Wrong. The opposite of love is selfishness and self-centeredness. When you love someone, you hate 
anything that would destroy or hurt that relationship or break its relationship with God. I love my wife not just because I bring her a valentine or a card. or the, I love her to a point where I don't want to do anything that would hurt her. Spiritually, I don't want her to conscience. I don't want to hurt her. I True love brings the very best out of people, for people, and for the Lord. I always ask this question when I'm talking to people that are in the dating scene or out there dating. I'll ask him this. Very simple question. Is your relationship bringing you towards the Lord? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Are you reading your Bible and is there a greater hunger in your life? Or is it taking you away from God? Pulling you out of the house of God? Pulling you into things that you're feeling guilty about? It's really simple. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. Whoa, whoa. How many of you believe that's important? I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to go to hell. Hell's real. And I don't, I don't, by the way, you don't have to wait to die to go to hell. You can live in your own hell right now. You can have your own hell right now. And so I have to look at the seeds. Number two, I said this, they're not always visible. Well, how do, I, how do I know when strongholds are not visible? Let me tell you something. That's why the house of God is so important. That's why spiritual authority. One of the reasons why God gives children parents is to speak into their life. And I'm not talking about just correction. But vi- there are things that are visible. <clears throat> One of the things as a parent, I am to help my sons understand that there's a spirit realm. That there's a, there's a God in heaven. There's a heavenly father. One of the best ways for me to be a, a, a good father is to have my son see me under authority. When you have a father who has no visible submission to authority, guess what you are sowing to your children? Dad's by himself. Dad does whatever he wants. And I'm going to be just like dad. And I've had this testimony. I've heard this testimony. You know, I brought my kids to church, put them in Christian school, and I just, for some doggone reason, can't figure out why they're not serving God. And I'll ask this question. Did they ever see you as a parent under authority? What do you mean by that? Did you ever talk about the importance of well, my boys got tired of it, but I always talk about Brother Dick, Pastor Dick, Pastor Dick all the time. Why do I say that? Because if I, as a father, am not under authority, what makes you think you have any merit or credibility as being in authority? Do you see what I'm saying? If you are not under authority and they can't see it, They do not see you visibly under authority. When you come and put your foot down and say, all right, sons, uh, kids, uh, we're not going to do that. Why, Dad? Why should we obey you? You don't obey anybody. Well, 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 time out here. I'm in charge here. That's a dangerous place to be. I learned that principle a long time ago. I want to say this. I love my dad. I really do. 
But my dad was a quiet man. He wasn't a communicator. And I got angry, and I decided at a time in my life to just, in my mind, write him off. Because I said, no, the guy, the guy doesn't talk. I'll talk. He was, but as I grew older, the Lord began to say, Ray, you have a wrong spirit. You, and it wasn't visible. You know why? Because I was going to church. I was tithing. I was in the youth group. I was involved in everything. But I had this anger and even hatred. By the way, this is in the first couple of years of my marriage too. Toward my own dad because he wouldn't talk. I, when, I, when I tried to talk, it just shut me down. Okay, okay. So I decided... Fine, I am done with you. And I walked away. Now, yeah, we'd go to Thanksgiving, Christmas, and things like that, but there was no relationship. And then finally one day the Lord spoke to my heart. I was, by the way, if you ever ask God, Lord, open my heart and show me anything that you need for me to see. Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. And the Lord said, you, re- you really want to... You really want me to show you what's in your heart? It's got anything I, t- I surrender all. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender, I surrender all my strongholds and even the ones that I can't see. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said this, <clears throat> you're bitter at your father. I wasn't looking for that one. I said, yeah, yeah, you got that right. I'm pretty angry. But it's his fault. And then you, you, you can't believe what the Lord spoke to me. I, and I, I didn't hear an audible voice. I was actually out driving around in my car. I was still living at home. At that time, I'm driving around, and the Lord said, you need to go to apologize to your father for the anger and the bitterness. I said, and I'm arguing with God. God, it's not my fault. He raised me. I didn't raise him. Okay? So, so I'm, I'm, now I'm getting ticked off at God after I say I surrender all. But it was a non-visible stronghold in my life. So I go home. My dad is sitting at the kitchen table, and he's drinking coffee or something like that. And I said, Dad, can't... Uh, and he... Nothing happening, but I said, can I talk to you for a minute? He said, sure. What do you want to talk about? And I said, uh, Dad, this is not going to be easy for me, but I felt the Lord impress on, on me to, to do something here. And he said, okay, what is it? He kind of drops his voice, okay. I said, I, I need to ask you to forgive me. Because of the anger. And as soon as I said that, he jets and runs into the bathroom and locks the door. And I'm sitting here. I wasn't even done with the conversation. I'm asking God, I'm asking my dad to forgive me. And my dad jets into the bathroom. Now that made me mad. So I'm walking over to the bathroom. Dad. I literally did this. I come over to the door and I'm, 
Dad, I hope no, nobody knocks back in her, but I mean, I'm, Dad, what's going on? He wouldn't answer me. But what I heard was, for the first time, my dad was weeping in the bathroom. And I left the house. And I said, God, what just happened here? I thought this was supposed to be restoration. And then God didn't give me an answer till later I come to find out that my own dad had been treated badly. Even raised by a man who was an evangelist but really wasn't a healthy father. But I wanted to put the blame on my dad. God began to show me that there were generational issues here. And forgiveness broke a dam and began conversation. Conversation started. Now, I'm going to say something that some of you may be uncomfortable with. And I can't even prove it scripturally. So I could be wrong. But the Lord, the Lord said, I want you to be a father to your father. And I said, what? And this is what the Lord said. He says, I gave you a good shepherd. That was through my pastor, Brother Dick. He says, I've helped you heal through your pastor and I want you to father your father, not in a dishonoring, not disrespectfully. I'm not coming and say, all right, Dad, I know more than you. Not that attitude. But just start building a friendship. And for me, it was just listening. My dad loves history. Boy, he loves to talk about things that bore me to tears. And I remember my dad would talk about the locks and the Galligans and how the homestead there in the Columbia River got started. And I'd hear that story over and over. And I remember the Holy Spirit say, here to build a bridge. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't telling them, now, Dad, I want you to know. I just want you to remember all those bad things you said. And God told me that I'm supposed to be a father to you. So I'm here I am being a... God just said, I want you to just... Sit and listen and give him an audience. And at the end of it, I'd say, man, Dad, thanks. That's, that's awesome. I didn't know I came from that side of the Locke family or the Galligan family. I, I didn't know that. Now you may say, well, Pastor Ray, it sounds like you lied. No, I didn't lie. I just wasn't enjoying the moment. But it was interesting to hear the roots. But that's what he was into. He wrote essays and papers, and he showed me later on some volumes that he has about... He he just loved history. And the Lord impressed on me that sometimes breaking strongholds is going to involve reaching to people, giving them audience. Not preaching at him, just letting him know, I'm here for you. Are you there? Now, 
Healing doesn't come overnight. Still took time. Took a long time. Also, I want to I show you this on number three. Strongholds are progressive. What do I mean by that? Everything starts with some form of an influence. I have to say this. <clears throat> when I got married to my wife, I, I, I think I, 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 not I think, I know. I had some anger issues, big time. And even later even. And I knew where that came from. Because I was around angry parents. And it became conditioned in my life. It's easy to be angry. And the Lord began to show me that influence came from a seed planted. The influence becomes a thought. The thought becomes something you begin to inquire about. You become interested. Then it turns into desire. It's a development. Development becomes a belief. You really begin to believe that maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe this is the way I, 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 I'm all, I always was and always am. Then it becomes a conviction. A conviction turns into action. Action turns into sacrifice. Now you're willing to make sacrifices for it. Sacrifice becomes behavior. Behavior becomes a lifestyle. And then finally, it takes total control of your life. It's progressive. Strongholds are progressive. That's why we always need to nip it in the bud. Amen? There is a progression. And by the way, the enemy loves company. When you begin to develop your influence and your thought and choir belief system, the one thing that you'll always find is you're always going to look for people. Birds of a feather flock together. I've got to find somebody that believes and thinks just like I am. I've got to find somebody who was abused like me. You understand, don't you? You were abused? Yeah, I was abused, yeah. And guess what? And you come together. The worst person in the world you can get with is the same kind of a person that came out of the same kind of a background. I know there's a lot of self-help groups out here that say, yeah, but they understand. No, what they're really doing is holding you in a trap. You need someone to help you break a stronghold. See, pity 